0: British Drafting Show, an exclusive off-season series where we'll be taking a weekly look at the 2020 NFL Draft and how the Panthers might approach it. Now, we are a proud part of the Right Network, which is powered by Ortho Carolina. As uh, all the Panthers podcasts you could possibly want, all in one place. Uh, if you do enjoy the show this week, please do be sure to uh, rate, review, subscribe, and, and all that other good stuff uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, Tell your friends and family about it, any other Panthers fans you know, uh, as we get closer and closer to the draft this year. Uh, My name's Ollie. I'm one of the leaders of the Royal Riot here in the UK, uh, and I'll be your host uh, for, well, not much longer now, as we get much, much closer to draft day. Uh, But as usual, I'm joined by none other than our draft guru, uh, Vincent Richardson. How are you doing this week, sir?
1: I am, I am all right, yes. How are you?
0: Yeah, not bad, not bad. We are lockdown once again and <laughs> I, i'm just glad that we've always done this remotely so it's kind of worked but, yes um, yeah the, the one is,
1: advantage of always being that way yeah,
0: yeah it's like it's like my job as well i you know i work from home anyway so it's kind of well not not a huge amount has changed um i, I do miss wearing a belt though do you remember those belts
1: i have not worn belts for a very long time so so <laughs> yeah.
0: I, like, I, work trow- a,
1: I work in a lab where if, where, where if you wear a shirt with buttons that's considered fancy so so i, I the belt has been a, a long memory away
0: <laughs> do you remember jeans as well they, they were they were fun i used to quite yeah. like wearing jeans now i'm just in in chuckies or, or shorts as we've had some some warm warm up weather recently
1: yeah no it is it is worrying that it's kind of early april and people are wearing shorts in the uk which is not not something that happens usually
0: it's it's not and then big given we're all being told to stay indoors it's it's worrying that what could could come i have to admit i didn't get dressed until half four today because i had a, a video call that i had to be on so i think <laughs> i, I literally got, only dressed for that so i got, I got I dressed know.
1: for dinner so you're doing better than me
0: oh <laughs> this is full quarantine life going on here oh yeah um cool well let's um start having a look at where we're going to go this week we're going to look at the edge rushes this week obviously we've already looked at some of the the three four defensive ends as part of our interior uh, defensive line episode do feel free to go and check that out if this is an area that interests you um but let's start quickly by talking about the differences between those guys we've already covered on the interior d line and these edge guys
1: yeah so when we talk about sort of um Edge defenders what we mean is either depending on scheme either like four three defensive ends or three four outside linebackers so these are your primary edge pass rushers um, either lining up sort of over the offensive tackle or, or outside the offensive tackle and obviously they are different positions and so for example you know in a, in a three four you would expect them to drop into coverage sometimes but but ultimately these generally are players who are best rushing the passer. Some of them can drop into coverage a little bit, and some are maybe definitely not going to do that. But but they're 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 both uh, sort of position groups are, are similar enough that teams would probably rather have the better player and adjust outside of sort of extreme examples. So say like Brian Burns played sort of uh, three four outside linebacker nominally last year, and the Panthers have now looked to be moving to more of like a four man front, but essentially. The difference for him is, is whether he lines up with his hand in the ground all the time or some of the time. And actually, he'd much rather have the, the Brian Burns there as, as the best player than have someone who is like a more stereotypical fit, but maybe isn't as good. So it's essentially sort of edge past Russia is 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 kind of what this position really entails.
0: OK, and, and how does that affect the, the skill set that's needed between the, the two that we or the one that we have covered and the one we're about to?
1: Yeah, so like the three-four defensive end, it's more of like a, a hybrid between.
0: Well, it dep- it depends, but it, it's it's more of
1: like a stereotypical like defensive tackle um, type position where you kind of you know, you're working generally one-on-one against a guard, occasionally against a tackle, um, but but that's much more hand in the ground, um, working face to face against a blocker. So edge rushers, you are looking to work the edge, obviously, um, which means that kind of you know speed is much more important. And you still have the importance on pad level and hand placement and arm extension and the ability to work off blocks. All of that stuff is still the same, but the stance is uh, a little bit different if you're a 3-4 outside linebacker. But also the process of, you know, bend becomes much more important and quickness become much more important because you're looking, you know, a lot of the rush starts with you threaten the edge so there are players for whom this isn't the case and there are different styles and we'll talk about this a bit later but sort of the stereotypical option is that you kind of you want to threat threaten the edge so force the tackle to, to defend the speed rush and then you either can convert that to power or you can then look to work inside as well so there's kind of a greater um, value placed on sort of quickness and and bend and the ability to work around the edge and just basically run around the tackle to the quarterback
0: Cool. So um, we will no doubt get into some different nuance on on technique and skill set as we start to dive into the players specifically. Um, But moving into the draft then and and starting to look at the class as a whole, um, Mm -hmm. how good is is the, the class overall this year? So this year, it's
1: not one of the stronger positions in the draft. I think that sort of seems to be, you know, a consensus that I would agree with that, you know, this is not the strength of this class, by any means. That is kind of like with the caveat that probably the best player in the draft in Chase Young is an edge rusher. But sort of the gap between him um, and who's next is really quite significant. You know, this is kind of, it is a matter of kind of one elite prospect and then an otherwise generally not great class. There are some interesting players there's kind of i think the issue is everyone apart from chase young is some kind of compromise of upside and pro readiness but there are some people who you know we'll talk about this as we go through but there are some players who who maybe are um, uh, better able to impact the game right away who can maybe come in and be quite good starters um but probably don't have like the very upper tier athleticism to be you know stars um and there are other players who sort of flash that sort of you know great athletic upside but maybe need more technical development. And really, Chase Young is elevated from the rest. And um, we'll talk about him in a bit more detail in a second. But the, re- the reason why he is elevated is because he is probably the only player in this class who I think has a really good combination of both um, short-term value and long-term upside. Uh, and really, it's not a class with anyone else who is, who is in that kind of immediate um, star player type category. Although obviously there are players with that potential, and just you then you know they could they could very quickly reach that potential, in which case they could become that. But there's there's no sort of surefire like star players in this class apart from Chase Young.
0: Cool. Well, let's get into the board there, and you know, spoiler alert, but I think we know who who the the standout candidate this year is is in Chase Young. Um, and you just touched on he's he's pretty far ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Um. But but why is that? What is it about his um, is it physicality technique or a combo of the two that, that puts him so far ahead of everybody else
1: so I think he's it's, it's just a combination of the both really I think that like to get in the very top category of prospects you have to have both but but at uh, any position but I think what, what for him what's so impressive is that he is he is a very good athlete I don't think he is in the very top tier of athletes at the position you know the the Garrett's and the, the the Von Minners but he is very very good um, and he's just technically very well rounded. He has good good hand placement, extends his arm well, plays with generally pretty good pad level. Um, he works off blocks well. He you know can stack and shed against the run. Um, he he you know he can can uh, rush around the edge fairly well. He you know he's not maybe not quite as nuanced to say Nick Bosa was a year ago. I think he's you know uh, in similar to Nick Bosa in some way in, in quite a lot of ways really. He, I think he's he's closer to Nick Bosa than he is to Joey Bosa. In that I think he he is a like Nick Bosa he didn't win just with pure speed very often like he generally won with with hand usage and, and a bit more nuance um, and he's maybe not quite quite as subtle as, as Nick Bosa was but he is again really well developed you know doesn't really have any massive flaws he's he's a player who can be a very good player immediately and his ceiling is more about how much he can fine tune and add the kind of the, the the subtle veteran savvy type moves that were so unusual to see in Nick Bosa. Um, from a rookie so I think he's he's probably in the conversation as sort of a similar kind of you know if he had come out last year say he would have been in in the conversation to be taken alongside the likes of Nick Boser I think he is that good it's not just that this is a a weak edge rusher class um but but yeah he's not in the the very top tier either athletically or technically but he's very close to the top tier in both and that's what kind of sets him apart so much
0: okay so I mean in that vein, then, how high do you think he can go in this draft? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to uh, to, to nail your your colours to the mast and say a specific number or a specific team is going to take him, but where, where are you thinking that we might expect to see him off the board by?
1: So I think probably, I mean, I. I kind of don't really go in for the positional value stuff a huge amount. Not because I think that it's not true, but just because it's very hard to kind of tie down the details as sort of one person breaking down tape. But in terms of just ability at the position, I think he is the best player in the draft. Um, So I think he is a better edge rusher than anyone. is a better cornerback or quarterback or wide receiver, say. Um, I think probably the quarterback value argument will mean that he doesn't go first overall, because I think there are a number of good quarterbacks in this draft. Who who are good enough that they will kind of they, they're, they're going to go very high, um, but I think he you know anywhere from from pick number two onwards I think he's in the conversation really, um, and while I think Washington might might just about be able to talk themselves into another prospect, um, I think he should be the favourite to go second overall, and I think it would be a real surprise if he was on the board past about pick four. Yeah, you know, I think it, it, unless the top four picks are all quarterbacks he should be certainly one of the top two players taken who is not a quarterback and possibly, you know, the top non-quarterback taken.
0: Okay, so, I mean, it sounds like you're a fan. I, um, yeah,
1: no, no he's, he's very good.
0: Looking around the, the, the media, a lot of people are. So, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not, uh, this isn't a hot take or anything here, but um, do you think we're looking at, you know, a future superstar here? Someone who's just going to be, you know, pro bowl, uh, yeah. pro ball? Go.
1: Yes, no, I think he's he's probably more in the so I think so Nick Nick Bosa was is, is sort of the comparison that is obviously going to be made partly because he was in the highest state edge rusher, you know, last year and again went, I think pretty sure he went second overall uh, to the 49ers obviously. Um I think he's probably in a similar kind of tier where I think Nick Bosa obviously is very good. I think maybe he might not have got quite as much attention if he hadn't been on a team with, with the that um I, so for example, I personally think Joey Bosa was is is the better of the two Bosa players, not by a mile, but I don't I think Nick Bosa isn't quite as good as his, his brother, and I think Chase Young is probably similar kind of category where I think he he might not ever be like the best edge rusher in the NFL. Like I think Miles Garrett is is a you know he's not in the Miles Garrett category where it was like this guy is going to be a top five pass rusher, no questions asked. Um, I think he's more in that sort of second tier where I think he'll be a perennial sort of like pro bowl player. I don't know whether he'll be a perennial like all pro player, if that makes sense. So I think he's kind of that that second tier down. But that's still, you know, someone that is going to get, a, you know, Hall of Fame conversation when they retire and will probably be in the we in the double digit sacks every year type type category. But maybe really not, in the,
0: but not a first ballot Hall of
1: Famer yeah. with, you know, that that kind of level yeah yeah really 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 good but not you know the best edge rusher in the nfl hands down type player cool i mean that's still pretty good (laughs) yeah it's you're kind of you're kind of quibbling at this point but yeah i think he's kind of
0: we're not looking for the hot takes here and go well he's never going to amount to anything
1: (laughs) no he's he's really good he's
0: really really good okay well it'll be interesting to see obviously where he goes and and see him um playing in the NFL. So. Let's move on and, and talk about the uh, the next couple of guys you've got. So um, you've got um, Zach Bourne and Curtis Weaver. Um, yeah. I think it feels fair to say from everything you've said so far, there's something of a gap between these guys and yeah. Young. Um, so is it just that Young is so good or, you know, these guys are still good, you know, but that he's they're just, they can't keep up with someone who, who's so far ahead of them? Or are these guys just a little bit average? So I think
1: I think they're not necessarily a little bit average but I think both of them have flaws that kind of make it hard to see them as very top tier prospects. I mean I think Bourne is is a really interesting player. I think Weaver is maybe more limited. So Weaver's probably easier to describe because he is technically really quite good. He's a really effective edge rusher. I mean Boise State did some really – like you know he should have been playing with his hand in the ground every single snap uh, at Boise State, and for some reason they tried to drop him into coverage quite a bit, and that they tried to almost be a bit too cute in how they used him. I think he's someone who will be more obviously impactful at the NFL level where someone just says, forget ever trying to drop into coverage, just put your hand in the ground and run after the quarterback. Um, he's not the most explosive athlete, but he's just really technically well-rounded. He's quite savvy. He, he doesn't have a huge amount of flaws. So he's kind of one of those people who I think is probably a – a, a good starting player but he's probably his his athleticism is going to make it very hard for him to reach the very very top tiers and he's not quite you know he's not one of his players who is just technically perfect but not the top athlete he's he has some technical flaws he can you know not maybe not flaws but things he can work on like he his pad level i think some of it is because he was asked to stand up as a pass rusher quite a bit but um but i think he he needs to maybe work on his pad level and he's a bit top heavy as a rusher sometimes so i think he He's maybe not going to ever be a, 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 an all-pro type player, but I think he can be he's, he can be a good edge rusher, although he's really never going to be a star. Um, Bound is more interesting because he he shows kind of the potential to be really quite good. Like, he's athletically really, really good. He's a bit undersized. He'll probably need to beef up a little bit and maybe might get sort of pigeonholed as a 3-4 outside linebacker a bit more, but um, he, he moves really well. He's got more kind of power to him that you'd expect from a player of his size and he, you know his quickness is really really good um, and it's actually technically does the basics quite well the reason why I, I don't quite have him in sort of the next tier down from from young and why there's a bit of a gap there is that i think he where what he's lacking is kind of the the, the kind of the, the the development to be really good on a consistent basis that kind of he does the basics well in terms of hand usage and, and, and arm extension and all that kind of stuff, but doesn't consistently. It, he lacks kind of the, the the technique to kind of really consistently threaten. Even, you know, obviously no one's going to get pressure on every single snap, but there are just too many snaps where he kind of he runs in, he gets his hands up, he gets them located well, good at arm extension, and then just there isn't the next bit that pulls on from that. He doesn't have the the kind of the the pass rushing move like the the yeah sort of like the, the 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 box of tricks as a pass rusher to kind of consistently cause problems for an offensive tackle it's kind of like well if he doesn't get around the edge with speed he can make sure the tackle doesn't get on him and he, he's probably gonna have quite a lot of cleanup sacks but he needs to to kind of develop the technique to allow him to to be more consistent as a pass rusher in particular but I think he he has all the, the like the athletic stuff to be a a really good pass rusher and he's more kind of developed technically to no he's not just a project like he he probably can be quite good right away but he he needs a bit more work to reach those sort of upper tiers of 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 pass rushing ability
0: okay so two good prospects but obviously just not in the the young category which is you know i mean i'll be honest vincent generally you're you you play down your interest in players quite a lot i've noticed but with this guy you're really you're all he is just that good like you know he's he's top tier material
1: yeah I I think it's it's, this draft class in particular is one where there aren't that many players where you don't where there aren't some kind of caveat like I I think this is a a really quite a good draft class and certainly an incredibly deep dark draft class but it's not one where there are loads of like surefire you know this player is a a a plus athlete and is technically really well-rounded like there's it's a draft with lots of players with lots of potential and lots of players who are quite well-rounded, but there aren't many players who are both. And I think that means that this year, those who, who are that really stand out. So, you know, Nick Bosa last year was really good, but like Josh Allen wasn't that much different. And, you know, there was kind of more of a, a real debate. Whereas this year, those kind of top tier players really just stand head and shoulders above the rest. There's kind of, you know, over the whole course of the draft, there's kind of two or three people I've talked about as kind of, you know, somewhat more gushingly than the others. And they're not necessarily like generational talents, but they're kind of the, you know, they, they are sort of head and shoulders above the rest in this particular draft class. And I think it, it will be interesting to see whether sort of you get to pick seven and like all three of them, this is Chase Young, Jerry Judy, and Jeff Okuda. They're, for me, that those three are just, you know, a, a significant chunk ahead of everybody else in this class.
0: So do you think it's maybe a, a class that we're going to see a lot of first round busts but some absolute gems in round two three and four that yeah no i think yes time look at and go how the hell do they not go round one kind of thing
1: yeah no but it, but
0: it, it, it's like the prime example of this
1: is is like dk metcalf last year and people look back at it now and, and there are people going like well how on earth did he not go first round and it's like well okay he always had the talent to be really good but there were also a lot of question marks on tape that had to be fixed and that's fine and like what's you know what teams can do that we can't do from a distance watching on tape is really get to know these players as people and work out, try and, you know, try and work out how how they are likely to develop. Because in reality, the number of players who come into the NFL fully polished, ready to go is quite small. And the number of players with sort of upper tier, you know, raw talent who do that is is even smaller. And actually the vast majority of, of players in the NFL enter the NFL needing to get significantly better before they can be their best selves for lack of a better term and I know this is only Dave Gettleman talked about in the past the idea that you know you you kind of need three years to really assess whether a player is a hit or a miss And, and you know I think maybe that's a little bit um extreme but I do think there's definitely a bit where like you can't you do you don't a lot of players aren't drafted to be the players they currently are they're drafted to be the players they can become but obviously that doesn't happen all the time and so there are picks that were legit you know Say that, uh, this is a while back now, but like when the Panthers took Edmund Kugbida in the fourth in 2013, I think it was 2013, 2014, um, that was not a terrible pick. It obviously didn't work out, but it was like he was a risk that didn't work out. And the same is true. I mean, maybe I, I wasn't really watching. I mean, he said, I told you when he was in college, but obviously, I mean, he totally did not become the player that his second round draft stock would suggest he would be but you were drafting him based on what he could become and sometimes those work and sometimes they don't and you know that's how you get these kind of you know gems in the fourth round is that you know ian thomas was drafted to become somebody not because of who he already was
0: i think it's important to remember isn't it that uh, an nfl rookie contract is four years yeah yeah no. and also a lot of these guys you know
1: if, if you come out of one of the big colleges you will have had really good coaching and you know that a lot of time and effort has been put into your personal development. But a lot of prospects, you know, even like high first run prospects come out of relatively small schools and they might have had two or three different position coaches or even whole different position you know coaching staffs and you know players don't always get the coaching they need to be their best selves in college. and so there, it is understandable that players come out with flaws the job of NFL teams is to work out whether those are flaws they can fix or not and how important it is that they, that they do fix them. So like, yeah, rookies aren't expected to be fully polished prospects. And I think sometimes people forget that. And we kind of are are too quick to try and judge whether people are successful or not.
0: Yeah. Certainly anyone taken in the first round, Um, but it is interesting what you're saying there about, you know, the change in in position coaches or, you know, changing coordinators. You know, you look at the the defensive coordinator uh, role, uh, the Panthers over the last few years and that's just been change after change after change even with Washington staying in post and Rivera taking over the calls yeah that's that's a shift and you think you wonder why our, our defense has started to look more and more disjointed which is you know under Rivera when when we were you know really good was was always always uh, you know a pride of his to to have a really strong defense and some of the stats we had, I think, I, I don't remember the number now, but the number of uh, consecutive games we went without allowing anybody over 100 rushing yards. Yeah. And then you compare that to last year, which was, you know, like you may as well start on 100 yards. Like just <laughs> just take your 100 yards in the first snap and then, <laughs> and think, then we'll see what we can do.
1: But yeah, no, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a really good point. Like you look at guys, you know, like, some of the things that the Panthers are going to have to do in this sort of somewhat retooling rebuilding year is assess like the young players they've had from the last two or three drafts. And like when you look at guys like Dante Jackson or Jermaine Carter or Andre Smith, you know, Defe- uh, Marquis Haynes is, is also in that group as well. They were all drafted together and they're now coming into their third year and they've had three different defensive play callers and three different defensive schemes. And it's kind of, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, well, they could never have worked out or that completely excuses any of their lack of development. And, and the role of the coaching staff will be to separate that fact from who they are as, uh, as players. But it's not surprising that maybe Dante Jackson hasn't continued to get better every year because not just, you know, maybe there are, you know, maybe that, that's something to do with him as well. But, you know, he's now learning his third different scheme with his third different defensive play. Well, technically four, if you count Richard, um, not Richard Rodgers. Um I've forgotten his name completely, but the guy who was the interim head coach last year you know, it's it, it's it's really important for, for everyone, you know, in any circumstance, but continuity is massively important for people's development in all kinds of aspects. And the same is true of NFL players, that if you constantly have change around you, it's really hard to make continued progress as you develop. And so it will be really important for the Panthers to not keep chopping and changing. Obviously, you know, you can't stick with bad coaches just because it's continuity, but you can't keep changing. You have to give things time to, to work before you yeah, just give up on them.
0: I guess it's kind of like learning a new language, isn't it? You know, you, you learn Italian for a while, and then suddenly, you, halfway through, you've got to switch to Spanish. And yes, there'll be some overlap, and there's some words that are very similar, but actually, you, you're almost sort of ripping everything up and starting again. Yes. And suddenly, you go from that, and you're into a new language, and you think, well, it's no wonder that he hasn't developed. And, and yet, like you said, there, there could well be other factors here, attitude and ability or whatever... Other factors there may be, but that must be really, really difficult for a player to yeah. have to completely adjust to a, a different scheme.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think it is. I mean, I, I, I kind of,
0: well,
1: you know, one of the things that I think people miss a lot of the time is that, you know, they look at draft prospects and how they sort of end up. And they kind of see that as purely a, a testament on the, the team that draft, you know, about how good yeah. teams were at, at, <laughs> that at, at analyzing honest, draft. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but you do, you, there's also like a bit where players who don't work out, it isn't necessarily because they were bad prospects, but sometimes it's just because they were in a situation, they ended up in a situation where they just weren't given the help they needed. So, you know, there are, you know, quarterback is a prime example where basically, if you weren't a high pick as a quarterback and you end up as like the number three quarterback on a team as like a sixth round pick, you're going to be given almost no attention in practice. It's really hard for you to make significant improvements. And unless you happen to get thrown in and show a lot of promise, like like a Carl Allen did, you can easily end up, you know, if Carl Allen hadn't got a chance to start this year for various reasons, he could easily have spent the rest of his career bungling along as a, a second or third quarterback and no one ever really taking a chance on him. So, Players getting opportunities just makes a massive impact that is almost... cut It is very chaotic, sort of, the, the career progression for a lot of prospects.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... it's the, You know, I don't want to talk about Twitter too much because it's basically an echo chamber very often. But you look at people talking about, you know, Getham and Herney and some of their picks. And yes, obviously, there are bad picks and they exist. That's the thing. But sometimes it... Like you just said, it... it that wasn't necessarily a bad pick actually it was circumstance post that pick that actually could have well affected the development of that player absolutely yeah cool so let's um let's start to look into the next group then which is a pretty big group let's be honest you've got eight guys here that that you kind of think of the next tier down yeah so um as we've done in previous episodes let's split them down um, and talk about some of the different um, styles of play or types of play or um, developmental options you've got. So your your first one that you've got is your what you're calling the speed developmental. Um, yeah. so first and foremost, who have you got and, and, and what do you mean by that?
1: So I've got um, Josh, Uche, um, Clavon Chason and um, Kadir Shepard. And so what I mean by like speed developmental is that these are guys whose pass rush is basically based on speed. They're they're all three are on the slightly smaller side. Not, you know, that's not in a negative way, but they' they're not kind of um, Julius Peppers. They're more Mario Addison than Julius Peppers is maybe the best way to, to, to phrase that. But they're all guys who, whose game needs a, a fair amount of work before they can be the real thing. And so these guys obviously have, you know, when you've got this kind of um, speed and movement, that does give you a lot of upside, and, and you know, I think all three of them could be quite, really quite good players to different levels, of course. Um, but all three, I think, probably are quite away from being the finished, pro- you know, finished product. So, like, say, say Uche, like he 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 plays with quite a good pad level. He, he gets off the line really quickly. He actually has a reasonable amount of power for his size. And actually, like, there are flashes where he gets it right in terms of like hand placement and arm extension. You kind of there are flashes that you kind of see where it all comes together. Uh, particularly as a run defender you sort of you know you can sort of see it all working together but some of it is just about being more consistent and like we've talked about this at other positions as well but there are guys who some snaps are really good and some snaps aren't really good and, and you kind of some of of them reaching their ceilings is about just the consistency with which they do the things they already sometimes do but i think also he needs to do like like we talked about a bit with um with bound he needs to show the kind of the higher you know, uh, level uh, traits, you know, the ability to, to, to actually sort of not just threaten with speed and then revert to power if that doesn't work, but to actually try to work around blockers and add more nuance to, to, to how he tries to, to get to the quarterback as a pass rusher in particular. And I mean, so he's maybe getting, I think I'm, I'm probably a bit lower on him than some, but someone who I think I'm maybe quite a bit lower on than, than the NFL consensus is, is, is Chase on. And again, you see his good plays and his quickness and his bend and, and and the, he does actually flash quite a nice spin move and stuff. You know, he he has all the talent in the world to be a really, really good player. But there's just a lot of work he needs to do to be far more consistent because there are just far, far too many plays where he's just not a factor at all. Um, his pad level for a start, he needs to, to bend like his knees uh, more consistently. But just all of his hand usage and arm, uh, arm extension, all that kind of stuff is just there are occasionally plays where he gets it right, but on the whole, he's really, really raw in that regard. Like, he he basically just tries to run around guys, and if it doesn't work, he tries to spin inside them. And that's, like, the basis of a decent pass rush, but you just need to be far more consistent. And to be fair, players have made... You know, it isn't something that can't be fixed. Like, F.A. O'Bard was a prime example of a guy who made massive, massive improvements in this kind of thing in his first year in the NFL. Um, but, but he, I think he's getting some like mid first round love. And while I think he, he has the upside of a mid first round player, it's a bit like, you know, saying with, with Chase Young, the thing that he has is he has both the upside and the pro readiness. And I think Chasen is someone who early on could run very, very hot and cold. And, and, and Shepard maybe isn't quite as, as well known, but I think is a, a similar kind of player where like the core athleticism is there, but just the, the technical development is something that's going to have to come. And while I think he can be a, a really quite good player with time, I think there, there's there's more work needed there.
0: Okay, so that's your, your sort of speed development, guys. Before yeah. we get on to the next category, I want to talk a little bit about the position as a whole. Yeah. Um, and more specifically, the importance of it. So I think it's fairly obvious, and everyone knows that the quarterback is, is the most important position on the field. Um, and obviously, what helps make a quarterback successful is time in the pocket. Yeah. Um, so from a you know flip side of the coin, how important is the edge position on a team and and what I mean is it's very rare for a team to be good without a good quarterback but would you say the same is almost true for a team without a good edge rush some good you know pass rush who are putting pressure on quarterbacks and and forcing them into mistakes
1: um, yeah, so, I, so I, there there are kind of different ways to look at this. I think um, so. I know I'm again not an expert on positional sort of value analytics, but uh, there are some arguments that actually maybe cornerback is is kind of more important than edge rusher. I, I personally I think it's just it's so dependent on scheme, and I think this is where a lot of like these these value arguments I think I, I kind of fall down to a certain degree in my view is that if you run a very man coverage heavy scheme cornerbacks are really really important because you need good cornerbacks for that scheme to work whereas say you know when the Panthers didn't re-sign Josh Norman whatever you think of that one of the arguments for why they didn't re-sign Josh Norman was because actually their scheme wasn't that dependent on cornerback play and was far more dependent on having a consistent pass rush and that actually they've had a lot of you know off zone coverage bits of you know bump and run but but, but essentially they were trying to use the coverage to, to stop the ball coming out quickly by confusing the quarterback or making the quarterback hold the ball for a bit longer and then having the edge rush to sort of pounce on that. Um, and so it depends a bit on what kind of scheme you run. Like if, if you run a very um, like, you know, we're going to play man coverage across the board, take a safety deep, and we're going to try and make you beat us one-on-one. Edge rusher is important, but you you really need cornerbacks, that kind of scheme. So like Detroit, the reason why they've been linked strongly with Okuda is because they do run a very man he- uh, coverage heavy scheme. Whereas say if you're a more zone based team, um, where actually you're just kind of, you're trying to force the quarterback to hold onto the ball with coverage, and then you're looking for your pass rush to get there and really impact the game that way, then edge rusher becomes more important. So I mean, you can make the argument that you should adjust your scheme based on on, on the sort of positional value analytics, but I think ultimately most, most coaches aren't going to do that and that, that ultimately what matters most outside of quarterback does come down to scheme to a certain degree. And the same is true on the offensive side of the ball, that you know the value of receiver versus offensive line does come down to all kinds of things that aren't just you know unique, that are unique to different schemes, that aren't just kind of these universal truths. So yeah, it's not an easy yes or no, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, would you, I mean, I always try to simplify things. That's just the way my my mind works. But um, would you say it's almost a trade-off then between cornerback and and defensive end in terms of? Yes, obviously, scheme comes into it, like you have just said. But assuming that your scheme is, is geared towards cornerbacks, say like for example, yeah, if you need eight out of ten cornerbacks, you put you know you only need two out of ten edge rushers. That kind of thing. You know, and kind of there is a balance that there you isn't. have. To-
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, every team wants to have the best possible player at every single position. Um, It's more a matter of how you can justify spending your assets. So, for example, if you um, basically only ever play with two receivers on the field, justifying paying a third receiver a lot of money is really difficult because there's a chance that unless an injury happens, they just won't see the field. Whereas if you use... You know, if you play five wide the entire time, you can justify paying third, fourth, and fifth receivers a lot more than other teams because they're no longer just these backups and special teams players, but actually like core pieces of every snap offensively. So it's, it, it's, it's effectively. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. It's kind of you know, to make a soccer analogy, like if you play a four four two, you can justify paying like right and left backs more than if you pay like uh, I don't know a three four three and don't really use them at all. I mean, I realize that a lot of Americans have now got very confused, but basically you kind of (laughs) depending on what formations you use different positions have different values like if you basically only ever play with one tight end the second tight end has only really injury backup value whereas if you play with two tight ends all the time the second tight end is no longer like this useful piece to have here and there but is actually like a core starter so like it's that kind of idea that that depending on what you want to do different positions have vastly different values
0: we've we've got confused americans and we've got any british people listening shuddering at the word soccer yeah i think i had to think like yeah soccer, you,
1: start, <laughs> you, you start saying football and realize that the rest of the world doesn't well certain
0: bits of the rest of the world don't call it that. <laughs> one one bit of the rest of the world in north america you mean
1: <laughs> do the australians call it soccer as well i don't know because they've got Aussie rules. I should, I, should I,
0: know this because my uh, XXXXX was Australian, but I can't remember. <laughs> so, well, yeah, uh, well, before I embarrass myself and say something to offend the Australians, we've offended everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> <So, in> Friendship. <laughs> yeah. Well, give it time. Give it time. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's move <laughs> on to uh, a category that you're calling uh, pro ready but limited, which I think is uh, is bit of a rom seal thing which is probably a a gag for for the uh, British fans listening Uh, it does exactly what it says on the tin um but do you want to expand on what you mean by pro ready but limited or is it is that literally it
1: I mean it's kind of it's players who are maybe more technically developed than the other ones we've mentioned so these are because all these players are roughly in the same category I mean I do have like site preference for some over the other but they're basically guys who who you know I would take in a similar kind of tier but where like I have a very different view of what they can do. So these are guys who are probably competent NFL starters or maybe like r- useful rotation pieces. Cause obviously most defensive ends aren't like on the field for a hundred snaps, are uh, hundred you know, percent of the snaps, but maybe aren't ever going to be stars that, you know, they don't have the very top tier athleticism that's going to kind of the thing that lets them down is, is things that they can't change, basically. And well, obviously they can make some improvements in terms of their technique, and you can always you know, polish a bit more. That they're guys who basically they're technically pretty good, but maybe aren't the top tier athletes.
0: Okay, so who have you got in this category then?
1: So I've got uh, three guys in this category, which is uh, Derek Tushka from uh, North Dakota State. Um, uh, Darrell Taylor from Tennessee, and Kenny Willekes uh, from Michigan State. Um, Tusker is possibly a bit more developmental, obviously coming from a small school background. There's kind of a little bit of sort of understanding that maybe he w- won't be quite as polished as some guys coming kind out of bigger schools. Um, but actually, he's got quite a diverse pass rush. You know, he, he shows like a reasonable quickness. He's not sort of like super, super straight line fast, but he's he's quite quick and sort of shifty uh he uses his bent he bends quite well uses his hands quite well he's kind of more of like a situational pass rusher um who can sort of passably play the run like he's not gonna you know be some kind of Wes Horton run stopping specialist but can kind of isn't just incompetent and like you know he's someone who probably I think his best 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 situation would be to start off as like a, a useful rotation piece and maybe become a starter with you know with a year or two's kind of you know development and getting up to speed um Taylor is interesting because in that he is, I think, really quite a good run defender. And, like, he does – he's one of those players who, who does the, the – and Willick is kind of similar to regard as well. So they, they're both players who do, like, the core things really well but kind of don't have the upper-tier traits. So, like, is and Taylor both play with pretty good pad level. They're both sort of reasonably quick with, like, enough power that they're not just going to get pushed around. They get their arms up well. They locate their hands nicely, you know, but maybe aren't going to be sort of offering much as, like, pure speed rushers and that actually they don't have the really high level technique to be kind of really effective pass rushers given their athletic limitations and well obviously there is some development side there that obviously if they can learn those upper tier traits they could become those players ultimately i think it's kind of it's unfair to say that as like a you know yes any most people if they're passable athletes if they had like excellent excellent technique could reach the upper tiers but i think it's more reasonable to expect them to be sort of decent to good players Um, with some kind of limitations so you know every player has upside if you can kind of perfect them to the very highest degree but i think both of them are kind of solid but unspectacular kind of competent starter type players
0: you still there yeah sorry a bit bit i think we had a bit of a (laughs) a technical issue yeah uh, apologies for that um so um Next up, you've got um, what you're calling the power developmental. Yep. So see, we, we've discussed developmental numerous times um, throughout this and um, the, the, the podcasts that we've done. Uh, power obviously has a, a certain obvious trait to it, but do you want to talk us through what, what you mean by power developmental and, and who you've got?
1: Yeah, so these are sort of guys who are maybe a bit, physically a bit bigger. So they're still, if you can to like the the Uches and, and the, the Chasens from earlier, they're kind of, again, players who, who flash upper tier traits, but kind of are probably going to, again, need some work before they reach their, their kind of best selves. But they're all kind of slightly bigger guys who aren't necessarily super quick off the line. They're going to be sort of tearing around the edge against um, quarterbacks, but whose game is more based on power and are kind of going to be more sort of straight up one-on-one, you know, working Against the tackle directly, rather than trying to get around them, and obviously that can be effective. Like you know, um, uh, Chase Winovich is really quite good in that regard for the um, the Patriots, and and, and you know, was a really good prospect coming out. And there are you know there are a numerous examples of guys who've been really effective working in this way. Um, but they're guys who who kind of on the bigger side defensive ends, probably guys who are definitely going to be stuck in four three schemes as a three four uh, outside linebackers. Like these guys who are definitely not going to drop into coverage are going to be more kind of, you know, they're going to have a greater run responsibility than some of the smaller guys, but um, but aren't going to have the coverage responsibility. So the three guys I've got in this category are um, Chauncey Rivers, uh, AJ Epinesa, and uh, Yeto Grossmatos. Um, I think both um, Grossmatos and Epinesa have maybe got a bit of sort of late first round love. And I think, while I think, Epinestra in particular is quite good. I, I I I do think they're probably more developmental than a lot of people seem to be saying, um, and that kind of if I was a team looking to take them early, I think I'd have to be really confident that they were going to continue to develop significantly. I mean, all three of them show nice things in terms of sort of a reasonably good arm extension, and at times and the ability to sort of push the pocket and to work off blocks laterally with their hands. Um, but I think particularly gross Matos but also the other two need to get much better in this regard i think what limits rivers and epinesa so that rivers and epinesa are kind of the very top of this kind of third tier um a lot you know along with the guys like uh Uche. um but they're kind of they need to add these kind of upper tier traits then you know they're, they're never going to be super explosive both of them are over 275 pounds like neither of them are going to be sort of you know super fast out of the blocks um but both kind of t- to sort of reach their sort of upper tier um, sort of projections n- need to really work on developing their, their hand usage as pass rushers much more because whilst they have snaps, you know, gross matters as well. I think he needs to work on his pad level much more than the other two. And also he, he his arm extension needs to be much more consistent, but I think both all three of them, really there, there are snaps where they get their hands up. They sort of get contact on the tackle and then look to work laterally or, you know, and, and all their best snaps. You can see how they're going to work out. I just think all three, there aren't enough of those snaps yet. And I think, I think definitely, um, you're, you're, the thing really, while, while I have, sorry, sorry for mumbling a little bit, but while I have Grismatos lower down on my board than the other two, I, he definitely did make progress this year. So I can, I can, I can kind of see why the, there's sort of some love for him because he, de- he definitely is a better player now than he was a year ago. But I think he hasn't made enough progress for me to see him as anything other than a continual development project. Um, and whereas Epinesa and Rivers, I think are better right now. I think they're all roughly in the same grouping of kind of guys who, who can be these kind of, you know, good four three defensive ends, but probably need quite a bit of work.
0: Okay. So that pretty much wraps up most of who we want to talk about before we do go into the Panthers and, and what they might do at the position as we do every week. Um, it's probably worth mentioning somebody a little bit lower down who's perhaps a bit more local interest around Charlotte in um, Alex Highsmith. So yeah. what do you see here? I mean, do you, is this is this going to be one of those sentimental picks you sometimes see out of, this, out of uh, uh, you know, from a team picking someone out of a school? But or, or is it just he's just never going to be, be be picked high enough for us to worry about?
1: So, I mean, so we talked about sort of the running backs with um, uh, the, the Charlotte running back there as well. Um, but I think Highsmith is a better piece of the, of the sort of the three Charlotte prospects who've kind of got some draft love. I think he's definitely the best of the three. I, I, so I have like a, a late fifth round grade on him, which I tend to, my grades tend to be sort of more on that, the sort of cautious side. So that's probably, I reckon he'll be like a fourth round pick, probably if I was projecting the way he'd go, I think he's probably his good value is around the fourth and there are some things to like he gets off the line really quite quickly he bends pretty well and has like a fair amount of power and does like keep blockers away from his frame quite well with his hands like he he does quite a good job of sort of working off um, contact but his pad level isn't great I don't think he's got the best hand usage in terms of actually working around blocks so he doesn't really stack and shed very well and while he's quite good at not getting sort of himself blocked out of the play he he isn't great at sort of really engaging with with blocks and, and working through them. I, I also ultimately I don't think he's in the very top tiers of, of of athleticism either. So I think he's kind of I think he has a place in the NFL. Like whereas I think the the other Charlotte prospects I think are are right on the edge of whether I think they'll actually end up playing in the NFL for any meaningful length of time. I I think Highsmith is a legitimate NFL player. I just don't think he's necessarily someone that you'd go into the draft targeting particularly. Um, I, yeah, I think he's probably like a mid, a, a good mid-round, mid-to-late round pick is kind of where I'd have him. But I, I, I think he is—he is—he's genuinely a legitimate NFL player. It's just I don't think he's a starter. I think he's more of like a, a useful rotation piece for a, for a team.
0: Yeah. So perhaps he's going in the draft. The other guys are going to be UDFA's. But interestingly, you've also said in, in a previous episode that given our roster is um, threadbare to say the least. UDFAs actually could be an area that that we do a
1: fair bit of time I mean I I I I personally think the Panthers you know the biggest thing that's been pointed out is the Panthers only have like 60 players currently on the roster Mm. you know even if they draft 15 players and trade down six times they're still going to need 15 UDFAs or other signings to fill out the roster and I think while I don't think they actually all have to be UDFAs, I do think the one advantage of UDFAs, and I think this is something that I think teams could apply more generally, is that, you know, if you sign a vet minimum guy normally, particularly someone who's been around the NFL for two or three years, the odds of them significantly surprising you positively is really low. Like, it it does happen, but generally guys who've bounced around two or three teams over the course of a couple of seasons, there's a reason why they haven't stuck on the first couple of times. And, and actually, you know, the odds of them being more than just camp bodies or like bottom of the roster guys is pretty low. Whereas the advantage of UDFA is that you can always just completely strike gold. I mean, Andrew Norwell and, you know, Chris Harris, you know, Tony Romo, there are loads and loads of examples of teams striking gold with UDFAs. And while, you know, I'm not saying that will always happen, you could quite easily sign 20 UDFAs and end up cutting all of them before their first season. You, You can always get lucky. And I think, Ultimately, the NFL is is not, a, uh, it, you know, fight, hitting on one or two UDFAs is far more important than kind of having a better 59th, you know, 50, 53rd player on the roster. Um, you know, that, that doesn't really change very much. Whereas if you happen to get lucky once or twice, that changes everything. And so I think, you know, the Panthers specifically this year, but in general should, should, should really have a, a, a go at, at exploring the UDFA option, shall we say.
0: Okay, so before we just get into our, our usual segment on, on whether we or not we see the, the Panthers spending any draft capital um, at this position, obviously this is a position that for us on the Great British Drafting Show has a little bit more significance because we've got a British player yeah. at this position and, and you've mentioned him earlier on and, and the development that he made certainly moved from year one to year two. Um, you know, in terms of, of, of FA and what you've seen and you know he, he put on a, a hell of a lot of muscle from um, the scheme change yeah. um, which you know for somebody who has been playing the game for such a short amount of time um, and we covered this early on we, we mentioned Dante Jackson for example you know having to change scheme for someone who's been playing football since they were a little kid is going to be difficult for someone who's only been playing for a For literally a few years that must be a real real change not just in terms of the um the the skill set that's needed and 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 the the differences in what you're doing as a player but obviously his his physical attributes and and the size of him Uh, and we've seen that from from how much he's changed i know we've spoken to um to josh before i've spoken to josh about it and he said you know when you stand in front of fa now it's he's one of those guys that you genuinely think wow you know you are you're enormous dude like (laughs) yeah like you 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 think that in front of most nfl players because most of us are mere mortals um but there are those guys who are just enormous and he said that about fa um to me when when i saw him in in london um you know what what do you think about fa's chances this year of making the roster again Uh, and and i fully appreciate there is a caveat here that we don't really know what the scheme is going to look like but uh, in terms of his development um, and in terms of who he, he is and where he is within the roster, where do you evaluate FA's chances of, of continuing with the Panthers? So,
1: I do think that while we don't know the details of the scheme, I think it does seem reasonably clear they're probably moving back towards more of a 4 um, 3. You know, ultimately, if they're going to a 3-4, they need to sign about four more defensive linesmen. So, you know, I think they're probably going to play a, a base 4-3, I think is 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 fairly clear at this point. I think that actually really helps FA. Like, I, I, one of the big, you know, obviously I want him to do well, you know, both because he's British and I think he's actually a really good player and I want him to see him do well. But, but I, I think last year was, it was quite hard to see necessarily how he was going to find a place on the team. And while I think he did a, like a passable job last year, I think the move to playing more of like a 3-4 defensive end, I don't think that really suited him. I think one of his biggest assets is his quickness um, and his his ability to get you know down the field and, uh, and threaten the tackles for speed. And I, I don't think... I think he did a good job of it, given his limitations, but I, I think he'd do much better moving back to a 4-3. I think the change of scheme should only help him. Um, I think... The one that the flip side of that is that he is rare, he's on older side now, like he's certainly not like towards the end of his career or anything like that. But he's no longer kind of you know 23, 24, he's I think he's 27, 28, kind of range, and so you know. If he's not continuing to, you know, he's now in a category where he can't just be a a developmental type. He's like, he has to be good now. Like, you know, if he's going to be on the roster, it's because he's going to make an impact, not just because he can be good in a year or two's time. It's now a year, you know, it is effectively now a year or two's time from when that was the case, and he now has to start showing. I think personally, I thought he was really good two years ago. Like, I, I know he didn't get a ton of playing time. Like, he played again the Cincinnati game, played well, and then didn't really play a lot, but then played really, really well in the Tampa Bay game later in the season. So I, I personally think he, he should be on the roster. I you know, Personally, I think he's probably better than, than, than some of their other options right now. I think um, the signing of Weatherly probably means that they, that's kind of their... T- I think Burns and Weatherly look to be the two starters. So I think it's more about finding who the rotation pieces are beside that. But I think you know if you're running a 4-3, you could carry certainly five, but maybe six defensive ends. And I think he's right now in the mix. And, and unless they do draft multiple defensive ends... I think he certainly should be very much in the conversation, and, and unless unless he takes a, a notable step back or someone takes a really significant step forward, I think I would I would be somewhat disappointed if he didn't make the roster.
0: I have to say, mate, I, while you've been talking, I've just done a quick Google, and your your guess of twenty seven, twenty eight is is about as accurate as it gets because um, he's twenty eight on on the thirteenth of April. Okay, so <laughs> you've. I mean, as guesses go, you've you've pretty much nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, so uh, I'll, FA won't if you're a fan of show, birthday mate, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we tuned oh, yeah, in every nice week. One. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well <laughs> let's let's you know use that as a segue into the Panthers proper and and start thinking about what the Panthers might do uh, within the draft. We, we've just obviously touched on UDFAs and and well, not even the the desire, but the need to to go pretty big at UDFA. Um, but in terms of, of our actual official picks within the draft, do you see us taking anyone at, at, at edge Russia this year?
1: Um, I certainly don't think it's going to be something they take early. So I, you know, obviously you talk about it, like Chase Young is is a significant step up above everyone else in this position group for me. And I think if you look at the Panthers' roster, they don't think it's a position where they need to add anyone. Like, at the moment, if they don't sign anyone, I think they need to draft a defensive tackle, they need to draft an interior offensive linesman, they need to draft a cornerback, or at least add one in you know, free agency or, or through the UDFAs. Whereas I think, actually, if they don't add anyone else at edge rusher, they could go into the season and the sky wouldn't start falling. So I, I, I think, given they don't have to draft someone early, I don't think that's where the value is going to be early on. And, let, and, you know, if Chase Young falls to seven, you take him and you don't look back. But... but Assuming that's not going to happen, I, I can't see it's a position they're going to address in the first sort of two days of the draft. Where I do think they might have some interest is if someone falls a bit later. Like currently Derek uh, Tushka is kind of mocked anywhere in like the sixth or seventh round range. And while obviously, you know, you don't know who else might be there, but that would be good value for me. Uh, you know, there, there, there are always players who fall. And I think it's not a position where the Panthers definitely couldn't use someone. So I I think it's, like a lot of positions in this draft, it's not somewhere where the Panthers have to go, but it's not somewhere where the Panthers definitely couldn't go either. And there are some players who at the moment look like they could be pretty good value later in the draft in that regard. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't think it will be the priority.
0: Cool. So that is not only the the last wrap-up of what the Panthers are going to do at a position, but that actually wraps up our last, Position as well, so yes, it's been uh, it's been a strange few weeks with uh, you know worldwide pandemics, lockdowns, and and podcasts, and, and all that kind of thing. But um, I've certainly enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I certainly hope that that the people listening have too. Um, let's just quickly cover off um, you know next time because well, this isn't our last one. We're not quite at draft day yet. Um, next time we're going to cover almost sort of full you know complete the circle and and go back to where we started and and talk about the draft as a whole and and what the panthers might do and and start to take some of the the knowledge we've had from the previous episodes and and, and condense it down to one
1: yeah no i think i think it's it's like having it, it, it we could probably have done this last podcast a month ago but it would have been without any of the context of who these players are or what kind of kind of uh offering they might have for the Panthers. So I think what we, I think what I'd certainly like to do with the last episode is I think just to, to go through who might make sense for the Panthers at what point in the draft and really talking about less about sort of what the draft class contains as a whole and more like specifically what might kind of make sense for the Panthers as well as just some general things like draft strategy and and what this draft class means for the Panthers specifically.
0: So quarterbacks and running backs probably not featuring too much in that episode then. <laughs> one one would hope not. <laughs> if we're talking about those something's going very, very wrong. Uh, um so before we we wrap up, it's probably worth just covering off um, a lot of the content that's going to be up on the Riot report over the next few weeks. Obviously a hugely busy time of year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, strange times that we're living in, you know, content might be a little bit different for what you might expect. Um, but you know, I know you yourself, you're you're gonna be responsible for a number of pieces coming out on the right report looking at you know the draft as a whole how the draft uh, the Panthers might approach it and obviously you know looking at uh, some specific players do you want to just give us a quick overview of some of the pieces that you know that you're, you're doing and, and appreciate that things may change because of the world we're living in at the moment
1: yes yeah, so I think already I think there should be a few profiles up um so uh, Derek Brown, Isaiah Simmons and uh, Jeff Okuda. Those, those I think all three of those have been published now so you can take a look at those if you want sort of like a more even more detailed version of basically what I' what I've been saying here. Um, I think there's also a piece that's come up on um, like some of the analytics of like the the positions and like hit rates effectively for for different positions and how kind of reliable d- picks have been over recent years and basically how how accurate or inaccurate teams have, have been. Um, which I think, you know, personally, I think is, is quite interesting, although I realise that's quite a, very much down the rabbit hole for some people. Um, I think around the draft itself, obviously anyone the Panthers draft, there will be profiles on um, as quickly as I can manage it. Um, but there will be pieces around the, the draft. I'm, we're going to do at least one mock draft, I think, and, and some other pieces well about the value of trading down. Um, and, and also then sort of some, as we get right up the draft, maybe some pieces about you know, specifically who we think the Panthers might might, might be looking at and kind of, you know, some some like day position short lists for, for the Panthers as the draft progresses. And also, obviously, the draft is going to look very different this year, it all being remote. But, but we're going to do our absolute best to kind of you know, rigorously cover the draft and have all the content you would normally have, maybe even a little bit more as we have a bit more time on our hands. So we're going to try and really have a sort of a, a thorough covering of the draft on the right report.
0: Uh, absolutely and you know that just that lot there is is what vincent's covering i'm sure josh is going to be all over it as well with with extra content um, lots of virtual press conferences virtual press conferences lots of screenshots of zoom i'm, I'm getting used to those. you know even the uk government are doing those these days which i don't know if you noticed boris johnson had his ID, um, meeting id code on the screenshot that was was shared well, which the, yeah, the interesting because
1: you know. the government's official advice is also not to use zoom so i don't know why they're using it themselves because apparently it is insecure but you know
0: yeah i worry about such things so um, yeah the, the job i do for a living is is around um sort of, uh, technology such as that and um the company i work for actually supplied the mod so <laughs> i'm fully aware of that and how we have chuckled at work at the moment <laughs> at that going on at the moment so um that just about wraps us up this week. Um, like I said, that's also wraps us up for our positions. Uh, we've got one more podcast left just to cover uh, an all-encompassing view of, of everything we've discussed so far. So uh, please do tune in for that in around about a week's time. Um, please, obviously, you know, do the usual: subscribe, like, comment, review, all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts, um, and do get in touch with us on Twitter. So you know, if you want to call us out and, and make fun of our accents or you know whatever it may be uh, i'm on twitter i'm at royal right uk um vincent what about yourself
1: i am at the richardson 444
0: fantastic well thank you very much for your time once again vincent that's all from us but do join us next time for the last series of the great British drafting show bye goodbye